the primary benefit is that it now allows you to get off the ground faster with a skills architecture, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go through this exercise of sitting down with all the managers in the organization and getting out your yellow line notebook and writing down all the notes and then turning that in. I do believe that it can help to give indicators from an employee perspective as far as like, what, like how relevant are these skills that they've listed on their profile? Like you said, it's yeah. five-year mm -hmm. shelf life and some like technical skills are even shorter because of the fast moving pace of that market. So I think it can help serve as an indicator as to the strength of skills and then potentially infer other skills that the employee might not have explicitly talked about, but mm -hmm. it's, it's just an assistant, right? And we've yeah. kind of talked about that, about that before, that there's always the human element of it, of self-selection, of manager selection, of colleague endorsement, yep. you know, of letters from their moms, whatever it might be that is going to help them. And then it's a recommendation engine. Like yep. that is to me is, is one of the, from an employee perspective is really one of the primary benefits just still as a 45 year old man who still doesn't want to know what he wants to be when he grows up. Right. <laughs> like somebody look it out for me and help it out. Mm -hmm. Even if that somebody is like a, a machine, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I, I think it just, that is, that's the biggest power. And if the recommendation engine is being used by employees, by managers, and even by the HR team, all from the same data set, then mm -hmm. that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked for Iron Man having an AI assistant named Jarvis, right? That helped him solve crime, save the world. Oh, <laughs> nice. Welcome, 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 everyone, and happy Thursday. And you know what that means. It is time for your favorite show on the internet, Talent Experience Live, the show that covers everything in human resources, talent management, talent acquisition, recruiting, AI, and everything in between. It is your weekly look at all of those things, and hopefully you never miss an episode because we have a great one for you here today. There has been a buzz about the industry around workforce intelligence, around skills, around artificial intelligence. And we are here to answer all of your questions. If you have any that we don't ask in the show, hop in the comment section. Let us know you're here. Ask your questions. We'll get them answered because today I have a very special guest, the real deal, John Deal himself <laughs> from our product marketing team is here to chat all about workforce intelligence. John, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me once again. Yeah, no, yeah, you are, I think, the most frequent guest we have ever had. And I couldn't be happier about it. I love being the Robin to your Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you are the peanut butter to my jelly, John. Um, but we are talking about workforce intelligence today, right? Um, we've talked about it here on this episode before. We continue to talk about it. We talked about it last year. Now it's 2024. We're talking about it this year. I want to ask you, because we've kind of both shared our stories around navigating the organization from a position perspective, right? You've had a different role. I've had a plethora of different roles and they've changed. And when we talk about workforce intelligence and really the skills that you can apply from one position to another, um, that's what it's all about when we talk about internal mobility. So I want to ask you from your journey, how much different was it for you over the past few years to change roles and find the right fit for you versus how it will be for you know folks in the future, employees and, and candidates alike? 
Yeah, so um, it's been an interesting journey for me here. Uh, I think as you and I have kind of talked about before, uh, just the data from our uh, multiple roles is enough to fill the career pathing uh, data set. But, yes. uh, you know, growing up, uh, my mom was always really focused on you got to go to college. You know, in, if you want a job, you got to go to college, you got to go to college, right? And then so I went to college and she was like, you got to get your master's. I was like, when is it, when is it right? Um, so, you know, even just coming into this job a few years ago, it was still, uh, a focus on putting a resume together that talked about my education, my experience from a role perspective and things like that. Um, and you know, all of that, I think goes away the way that people will be uh, evaluated, the way that people will market themselves will definitely be more down to, uh, the skill level. And so. Like one of the things that I have been doing and and uh, I think that you have talked about before too is like we've started identifying like, oh, what are the skills we're kind of learning yeah. along the way here? Let's start keeping track of that stuff because when it comes time to interview for our next position and when these future candidates are out in the uh, in the talent pool, that's that's where the focus is going to be. Yeah, yeah. We, we certainly have talked about it and I, I imagine that has to be a struggle for organizations, right? When, you know, you get your initial batch, if you will, of skills across the organization, across employees based on what roles they're in, what roles they've had, what their background may be. You kind of can do that in, in as little as two weeks. I, I believe Phenom can roll that out. However, skills change almost overnight at this point, right? I, I can watch a video on YouTube right now about how to add coolant to my Audi. Yes, I am very technologically not inclined when it comes to car maintenance, but that's a skill that I then have for when my car runs out of coolant later, right? So we add these sort of skills on a daily basis. How challenging is it for not just organizations, but also employees to stay on top of that skill set and make sure that it's reflective of what they have learned in you know a short period of time because it is so accessible? Yeah, I think it, I think it feeds back into the whole idea of performance management and of employees working with their managers that if it's an ongoing conversation between employees and their managers and things like that, something that you uh, talked about on a recent episode with Jonathan uh, about, you know, the, the whole idea of the disappointment and yeah. performance, mm -hmm. right? That kind of translates back into the skills conversation, because if it's an ongoing conversation around performance, then it's going to be an ongoing exercise of just identifying your skills, yeah. right? You're just going to, it's just going to become second nature, mm -hmm. right? That it's just going to be, okay, oh yeah, let me, let me add this to my profile. Or I submitted this, um, this project, or I did this social post or whatever, let the mm -hmm. AI automatically add it to my profile yeah. for me. So I think that's part and parcel of this is that it's not just a conversation around the technical nature of implementing skills, but it's also how these other HR processes then start to consume skills and play into that idea of how do I keep track of my skills? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I make them visible? How do I, how does my, how do I make sure my manager says they agree with me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And it's, it's so important because I think back to, you know, the technology that we know, like the back of our hand, right? I'll use an iPhone as an example. If you were to take the first iteration iPhone user, right? Back in 2008, 2009, and hand them one of these, they probably wouldn't be able to navigate it, right? It changes over time and it changes. 
with every iOS update, it changes quite frequently. And to your point back with the college story, um, I had a very similar story where it was go to get your four-year degree. You're going to move, you know, successfully in your career. Is master's the right thing for you? Should you go to law school? I never had that thought if I should go to law school, but you get the idea. That was the validation of the skills, right? Now we don't need it as, as much, but we have to be more self-reflective to your point on what skills you're adding because you don't want them to fall to the wayside, right? I think skills have a shelf life of five years. If you don't use something, you're going to forget it, right? So by keeping, you know, documentation lists, leveraging AI to keep your skill set up to date, I think is, is super important for your career growth. Now, as an employee, I think it's important to ask, can you put a specific dollar amount on a skill set? And I think this is interesting because of the college conversation, right? For years, it was, you know, there are statistics on someone with, you know, a GED and how much they make, someone with a high school diploma and how much they make, someone with a college four-year degree, so on and so forth. Now that we, I don't want to say we're moving away from it, but there's less reliance on it. Do you think there is specific skills that have essentially a dollar amount attached to them? I think that there are. I mean, I think that the, the ultimate goal is to to get to that level of granularity for sure. I don't think we, you know, certain skills, yes, I think you could say these are worth this much, but across the board, I think we still haven't gotten there. And I think that's a big part of the problem with organizations trying to implement this this kind of skill strategy is because like when it comes to um, like budgeting, yeah. like it's very easy to budget for an FTE or a role, right? Because mm -hmm. we're used to doing that, yep. right? Like, okay, we need one more content writer or we need, right? Versus, okay, I need somebody who can do copywriting or I need somebody who can do um, social media, right? Mm -hmm. it, right. So then the budgeting exercises get, gets difficult. Yeah. And that is what I think holds back a lot of organizations from kind of moving forward is that they they have an idea of how it would uh, roll out from an HR perspective. But then when you involve the finance department or the managers and things like that, and mm -hmm. they have to figure out like, uh, okay, next year, how many skills do I need? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, so I think it's an evolving conversation. Um, but it's, I think eventually as once people start implementing this with the technology that's out there, yeah. then the data can then be quantified in, in a way that you can assign dollar amounts to it, but it will take a little bit of time to yeah. get there for sure. I, that, that makes sense. And I think we're, you know, we, we've talked in this program and I've mentioned it kind of of job titleless positions, right? Where we are moving to, towards that skill set. It's going to take a while. HR typically is not rapidly moving when it comes to things because of compliance and for great reasons, right? You have to have a, a job title, a job description so that folks understand what they're signing up for. But when it comes to skills in general, I think there are certain skills that, that maybe do have a dollar amount to them and they're very specific positions, right? Um, I'll you know bring up a mechanic as an example, right? You can hire a general mechanic, but when you go to take I don't have one, but your Ferrari to a mechanic, it's going to require a very specific skill set. It's going to cost more to maintain, and you're going to have to pay that mechanic more because they're fluent in that machinery, right? Mm -hmm. Applying that towards maybe a, a developer or somebody who writes code, right? If you're looking for, 
I don't know the specific job titles, but senior Python, you know, Cobra Snake 2.0. That's a very specific role. <laughs> you started so strong. <laughs> I was like, you got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no, I, um, I know stick names. <laughs> like from my game, the, the, the game on my phone. Um, but no, if you get into that very specific position, it's going to have a different dollar amount attached to it than something else. Now, I, I think we're trending in that direction. We're not there yet and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's just something to think about when you're going into these budgeting things from a manager's perspective, right? Document skills, document, you know, some of the skills that are leveraged that aren't in that, you know, job description. So that when it comes to hiring somebody, you know, for maybe succession planning or something like that, you're like, Hey, I do need a social media person, but they just can't be, you know, somebody who works in Microsoft paint. We need someone who's fluent in the Adobe suite or something uh, along those lines. And that's going to be pricey realistically yeah and i think that that's part of the that's part of the reason why getting down to the skill level is so important because yeah. if you looked at a title right like mm -hmm. let's say like um uh an ai curator right yeah. like as a title um that title might be have a very high price tag on it but is there somebody else in the organization that you could upskill just you know they're mo mm -hmm. they're 80 of the way there right yeah. so so i certainly think that they're there needs to be a dollar amount associated with these skills at some point. It'll just take a little bit of time uh, to, to transition to that. But it, it, you know, that is, that is, I think the future of, of talent agility is that if you don't get down to that granular level across the board, then you're just going to keep missing out. Yeah. I mean, I think of, I'm, I'm going to go back to sports right now. Um, basketball, right. You used to have a traditional point guard, you know, shooting guard, small forward and a center as well as a power forward. Now you have people like Victor Wembanyama, who's seven foot seven and doing step back threes, right? He was taken number one in the draft overall because of his unique skill set, because of his size, his frame, and he's not your traditional seven footer. We're starting to see that throughout other industries, even in sports. And it, it makes sense that it's going to correlate and trickle down into to where we are. Life and sports are very synonymous, John. But when we talk about getting down to the skills level, do you think that like a, a skills architecture needs to be in place to start to have that discussion? So it's it's a good question because, you know, obviously the more data you have, it will inform better decisions. But the, the tack that we are taking from a phenom perspective is that if you come to the table with some base data set from mm -hmm. a provider like Phenom or, or you know, some other skill provider, uh, if you're so inclined. <laughs> I don't know why you would do that. Maybe, maybe we're being a little self-serving here. but Absolutely not. Um, the idea is that you can have a baseline of data without necessarily having like a job or career architecture fully in place yet. Yep. But of course, the job architecture will help refine that information, mm -hmm. right? So that uh, the usage of, say, um, like graphic arts in the marketing department is yeah. different than the usage of graphic arts in say the product department yeah. or in the documentation department. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it will help to, to qualify the skills better, Yeah. but it's not necessarily a requirement to get started. Right. It, the baseline of data that comes with, uh, with some of this technology is enough that you should be able to get started and then you can refine it over time. Yeah. And we, 
uh, regularly refer to the graphic arts and the marketing department as the dark arts. So we are we are up to no good. But <laughs> you were talking about snakes earlier, so maybe you are. Are you a Slytherin? I I would say absolutely, one hundred percent. I am a Slytherin. Shirt on, yeah, right? no, I, I, without a doubt, I bought the Harry Potter game. That was the house I chose. <laughs> Draco Malfoy is, is my guy. Um, moving right along, uh, it, we're talking about skills right in general you mentioned you can leverage maybe a a general skills architecture based on job architectures that may not align to your employee base right as you roll it out it raises the question around ai ethics and leveraging quite frankly personal data to have folks navigate throughout the organization right if you have an open role you're looking for that specific skill set. Maybe you, John Deal, didn't raise your hand for product marketing, right? But somebody saw, oh, John has the skills we're looking for. Is there is that a murky area when it comes to <laughs> looking for individuals across the organization? Um, yeah, it could be very murky for sure. Um, it's it's been a fear in the past, I think, and uh, I think it's something that that companies are slowly starting to get over and that something that they just had to be responsible yeah. about, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not saying don't think about ethics, don't think about bias, don't think about data privacy. We're just saying, don't let it get in the way of you using tools that are going to help your organization and ultimately your employees, yeah. right? So it's just understanding what the tool does, what is the data that you're going to collect and just putting the right controls in place for that, yeah. just like you would, um, you know, for a, for candidates, right? Or for, you know, consumers or, or things like that, like your employees, yeah. their data is private. It should mm -hmm. only be shared for the purpose of, you know, helping them out from a career perspective, not for informing everybody, you know, across the organization mm -hmm. that, you know, I chose a Slytherin and that, right? <laughs> like yes. it, some people don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that you, you shouldn't let get in the way of progress, really. Yeah. No, that, that, I think that makes sense. And I, it raises, you know, the other point of you should ask the employees first, right? And I think of you, you talked about candidates there. If you log on to a phenom powered career site today, there's going to be cookies, there's going to be data tracking, things like that. But following rules and regulations that are in place for that technology, it's asking if it's, you know, okay to track that information, right? In order to serve up personalized job descriptions. And you don't have to give all of your information, but if you click on, product marketing specialists and the people who also viewed that job looked at product marketing manager, right? It, it could be something as simple as that, but ensuring that you are getting the approval of the, the people at first, I think is, is certainly important when it comes to continuing on the, the AI conversation. Um, where do you think it's most powerful? in the skills conversation, right? When we talk about AI, we oftentimes think of ChatGPT, we think of this. Is AI at the point where you can look at a person in a specific position and see or make the assumption, AI can make the assumption that they've gained certain amounts of skills or that maybe they've lost some skills from previous roles or you know what trajectory they should go on? Where does AI come into play when it comes to skills and workforce intelligence? Yeah, so I, I mean, the the 
primary benefit is that it now allows you to get off the ground faster with a skills architecture, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go through this exercise of sitting down with all the managers in the organization and getting out your yellow line notebook and writing down all the notes and then turning that into, right? So that that is the, I would say, the primary benefit of it. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that it can help to give indicators from an employee perspective as far as like, what, like how relevant are these skills that they've listed on their profile? Like you said, it's yeah. five year mm -hmm. shelf life and some like technical skills are even shorter because of the, you know, the, the, um, fast moving pace of that, uh, that, um, market. So I think it can help serve as an indicator as to the strength of skills and then potentially infer other skills that the employee might not have explicitly talked about, but mm -hmm. it's, it's just an assistant. Right. And we've yeah. kind of talked about that, about that before that there's always the human element of it of self-selection of manager selection of colleague endorsement yeah. you know of letters from their moms whatever it might be that is going to help them um and then it's a recommendation engine like that is to me is is one of the from an employee perspective is really one of the primary benefits just still as a 45 year old man who still doesn't want to know what he wants to be when he grows up right <laughs> like somebody look it out for me and help it out. Mm -hmm. Even if that somebody is like a, a machine, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I, I think it just, that is, that's the biggest power. And if the recommendation engine is being used by employees, by managers, and even by the HR team, all from the same data set, then mm -hmm. that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked for Iron Man having an AI assistant named Jarvis, right? That helped him solve crime, save the world. whole <laughs> nine. Um, big nerd here. Uh, but it, it, I wanted to, touch back on that assistant piece because 2024 last year, the hot topic around AI was that it's taking jobs, right? How many jobs is AI going to take away from full-time employees? So <laughs> 10. Yeah. <laughs> and there you, there have, you it. have it. <laughs> All questions answered. Mm -hmm. Yep, ten. So the you know the reality is, and we we've uh, talked about this in some of the uh, workforce intelligence guys that we've put out is that roles will go away, but that doesn't mean employees won't have opportunities to move into different roles. So you know the, the example that we used in one of the, the pieces of marketing is the industrial revolution, right? The industrial revolution came around, whole bunch of automation in factories. That actually required more skilled people in order to learn how to use the machines, how to service the machines, how to do all that, right? Mm -hmm. So that is the direction we're going, where AI will take tasks away that are really menial and administrative and mm -hmm. things like that and leave opportunity for people to become more highly skilled and move into other roles that, that where they can add more value to the organization. So... It's a cycle that we keep seeing time and time again yep. in, in the, the market. And this is just the latest in an opportunity to upskill our entire workforce. The, the AI industrial revolution, the AI revolution, right? And I think it matches the way that we as humans have grown, right? I, I look at my you know, two and a half year old daughter, the way that she navigates an iPad is 
like Iron Man, right? Where she's moving apps around, she's scrubbing through Frozen to get to let it go specifically. Like if you had asked me to what an iPad was at two years old, I promise I'm not an iPad parent, by the way, just preface. But sometimes limited you, screen time. Sometimes you need a timer. Dinner, let's be honest. Um, so no, it, it, it's that skill set is not something that I had when I was a child. And it's not going to be something that you know, her children will have in the future. But it's this moment in time where you have to leverage what technology offers in order to grow as species, right? In, in that sense. And maybe that's a little bit too far-fetched. But I think as we leverage technology more and more and more in our daily lives, in our vehicles, in our homes, in our ovens, I can say the, that woman, her name's A, and then it's Lexa, she can turn off my TV. She can turn the lights on. She can set a timer. All of these things, those used to be skills that you, you would have to have, right? Like not that turning on a light on and off is necessarily a skill set, but technology is rapidly moving. Anyway, I agree. Very long-winded answer there, and well, I just, apologize. You know, just imagine, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, you know, applying for a job and not knowing how to write. And like, just think about that. If you were interviewing mm -hmm. somebody and they were like, I do not know how to write. Yeah. Now think about like 20, 10 years, maybe even 10 years from now, like, Hey, I, yeah, I don't know how to write. Who cares? Yeah. You're not going to write <laughs> a thing. Yeah, no, absolutely so, not. Do you know how to read? You might have to, you might, you might have to do that. <laughs> do you know where a semicolon goes? Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, that's a fair, fair point. And even like, let's take it even maybe a little bit further back writing in cursive, right? Does anyone know how to write in cursive anymore? No, I, I mean, you don't even have to have your own signature on documents anymore. No, you no, can just, they, you, they make it for you. Make it look pretty. You check the box and then there it Plus is. Plus trying to write on the screen yeah, with the mouse the is like a pause. It's a disaster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, you're right. It, technology is changing. And with that, so does pay, right? How does skills translate into, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but translate into compensation and, and future future pay for employees? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think, as we kind of mentioned earlier, that this that skills and performance will start to go more hand in hand, right? And that that there's this idea of continuous performance, and I think that that's going to be tied directly to skills as as a measurement tool. Um, you see it a little bit at Phenom, like we use competencies, uh, so they're slightly different. But you you know, when we go through performance, it's usually tied to some rating based on a competency. Yeah. So I think that you'll start to see that happen more uh, and come more hand in hand. And then, you know, like we talked about, once you get to the ability to um, put in a dollar amount on skills, yeah. then you'll be able to, um, I think you'll be able to really pay people more what they're worth and, mm -hmm. and employees will be able to demand more what they're worth. But, you know, I think ultimately if you're, title doesn't change but your skill set has that should mean more pay and yeah. so that needs to be i think part of part and parcel of of the conversation when it comes to to salary and if you're very easily able to say here's the skills i learned yeah. right using the technology at hand then it should be mm -hmm. a very easy conversation to be like uh, okay here's the pay that that those skills command yeah yeah i mean unfortunately i think pay and, and we had this you know discussion with jd a few weeks ago is always going to be a, a tricky conversation to navigate but both you know organizations and employees alike have resources whether it be the hr team or folks like that to reach out to to have those discussions 
perhaps around skills and and things like that. Um, we both have very interesting career paths here um, where we have hopped from department to department. I, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the program, but from an organizational perspective, from the top down, how do you think skills a skills forward approach changes the way an organization will operate when it comes to career pathing, right? I think of when I, you know, started in a lot of my entry level roles, they always showcased that very lineal, linear career path, right? I started in it with a sales background where it was, you do sales, uh, you know, as a business development representative, then you're an account executive, then you're an account manager, whatever it may be, but it all stayed kind of in that silo. We're having discussions now where if you're a skills forward organization, do you even lead with that rhetoric, right? Do you say, hey, we had somebody who was an SDR and now they you know, are on our marketing team. We had someone who was an SDR and now they work in customer success or all of those things. How is it changing over time so rapidly and is it effective for businesses? Yeah, I mean, I to use product marketing as an example, uh, which is something that we we both have done. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you came in into the organization as an SDR, and if you, I think, fortunately for you, you had a relationship with somebody in marketing, and you were able to leverage that into. If people that don't necessarily have that relationship. How do they get there, yeah. right? And so that's skills. That's what this skills forward strategy does. Is it kind of opens the book up to all the opportunities across the organization, um, and not have to necessarily depend on like who you talk to at a trade show or who you you know what I mean or who you know who you were playing softball with or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. Still have relationships with humans. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh, you know poo pooing that, but um, but. You know the the idea of a of just one path is gone, right? And the 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 benefit of a skills forward organization is that you put the power in your employees' hands to kind of choose their own adventure, right? Yeah. You're giving you're laying out all the options for them, and you're saying, you know, these are all possibilities. Where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And you may or may not get there, but then you know, it, just like every choose your own adventure book, if you don't like the one you chose, you. you Go back to page twenty, yep. and then you get to take the other right. But so, um, you know, when you t when you talked earlier about data privacy and how one of the key things is being transparent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let them know, right? Like that is that is what this is. This is transparency at the 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 best level, right? Just giving your employees a view into everything that they could possibly be. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And this is my opinion. I, I want to preface that, but I think the folks that are looking for that linear career path nowadays it sometimes tend to be the job hoppers, right? And I, again, my opinion from what I've this seen in, in conversations that I've way said, to disclaim. very big disclaimer, but folks who want a linear career path often are going to, in, in my experience, hop from place to place to place to get that title that they want to move up in the ranks, right? When you look at an organization and why, that's where you're going to see more navigation across departments and things like that, especially when you look at Fortune you know, 500 companies. Mm -hmm. They're ginormous. They have needs that most departments don't even know about, which is where AI and skills architecture is going to come into place as an assistant, as a tool. But 
if someone, you know, comes to your organization and is, you know, early on in their career and they say, I want to be VP of sales as fast as possible, right? That may say, all right, they're willing to do whatever it takes, right? They may, if they're not moving fast enough, find that role someplace else. It happens. It doesn't make anyone a bad person. But when you're looking to diversify your organization, taking a skills forward approach, I think is, is the best way to do it because that linear path isn't as fruitful as it, it may have once been in years past. Right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's still an option, yes. right? Yes. But it's just yes. not, it's just not the only option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it can get a little bit murky for people who are just entering the job market. Like if they're not in touch with this philosophy of skills, then yes, their, their mind goes immediately to titles. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. in order to be successful, I need to be a manager then I need to be a director. Right. And so I think there's an opportunity to educate that, you know, that early talent uh, pool as mm -hmm. well to say like, Hey, make sure that, you know, this, this is the way that you could move in your organization. Mm -hmm make sure in your career, make sure these, these are the, the steps you want to take. Yeah. And before you know it, you could be, you know, 32 like myself and still not know what you want to do when you grow up. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I think this has been super helpful. John, last question uh, before we, we head out is, uh, you know, one that I think comes up regularly when talking about AI and, and turning it on. Oftentimes we think of it as a switch where, uh, Hey, we bought this AI product, let's turn it on and wow, our whole system, we have a complete skills architecture. We know everyone inside and outside of the organization, what skills they can bring to the table, what their potential career path would be. We all know that's not the case, right? This, this stuff takes time. The algorithms take time to learn you and how you navigate through systems and what your frequently you know, searched positions are. How much prep work goes into it for an organization in order to leverage AI successfully? I know it can happen quickly, right? Skills architecture can be as little as two weeks. Is there a lot of prep required for that? And you mentioned it's not going to be ironclad, right? It's, it's ever evolving. Mm -hmm. So, um, how much, how much prep goes into it? Yeah, I think we, you know, talk to customers that are on both ends of the scale. I think, I think we have the ones that are like, all right, I'm just going to flip the switch and, and make this thing. Right. And then we have the other ones that go like, oh, well, all my data is a mess. So let me clean up my data and then yeah. we'll turn this on. Right. So, and the real answer is like not one or the other, yeah. it's somewhere in the middle. So, um, the machine is not meant to run by itself. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. This is not a flip of a switch thing. It's an assistant. Mm -hmm. It's a really good assistant, yeah. but it's an assistant. And so there's going to need to be some input from the organization because nobody has more context about the organization than the people that are working at it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that doesn't mean that that input requires hours and days and months of organizing things. Right. It's like, uh, the, I think the analogy I used during skills day was like, if you have to clean your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, then you chose the wrong dish cleaning journey. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so don't, Think about spending a lot of time organizing data. That's why you buy the technology. Think about how you can fine tune the data on the back end, right? I get a recommendation from Netflix. I'm going to thumbs up it if I like it or mm -hmm. thumbs down it just to make sure that they know not to recommend, you know, that documentary next time. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I mean, and I think of, you know, technology that I use every day now, like I drive, driving. I know how to drive and get home. 
right? I, I know the roads that it takes, but I use technology as an assistant to help me get there, right? It knows where I live and what my frequently I've gone to locations are because I use it on a regular basis, that mm -hmm. upkeep. So uh, it's like any technology. I love the dishwasher analogy. Um, I grew up washing dishes in a restaurant. So any dishwasher is, is good in my book. But John, I, I really want to uh, thank you for taking the time. I want to call out a, a couple comments that came through here. Um, Jonathan Dale, yes, I did just say JD. Um, and I, I think I completely agree with your comment. In order to be successful, you need to be impactful. And leveraging some of this technology that we talked about today, John, is a way to do it, right? Having AI as an assistant to help you find your next role or to find that next candidate for you is only going to help you in the long run and help you be more impactful. Is there anything else impactful that you would like to, to say before we hop off and, and sign off for the day? Uh, no, I think that the it's a great statement and that the idea is that, again, the technology is an assistant to help you remember the opportunities you took to be impactful. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much for joining. I, I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully we answered all of your questions uh, around workforce intelligence skills and AI. I think it was a fun conversation. Uh, I do want to reiterate, however, that a lot of what we said was opinions, uh, uh, at least a lot of what I said. He's the expert. We, that's that's more ironclad. Um, but yeah, it, it it is always fun having these conversations and speculating on the future while being reflective on the past, right? We talked about previous technologies, the, the industrial revolution and where we are headed today. Yep. Um, I think whether we like it or not, AI is here to stay. It's not going to replace full-time employees, but it is a tool to help those employees get the best career path for themselves. Yep. And to clarify, I also love dishwashers, so I don't <laughs> want that to come off the wrong way. I think... I yep. think they're they're good folks. Yeah, <laughs> dishwasher and, <laughs> and machines. I don't want I don't want to be I want to be inclusive. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Yes. Uh, well, that does it for TXL today. I hope everyone enjoyed themselves half as much as we did. Obviously, we had a, a few laughs during the program. Uh, if you missed any of the episode, you can always catch the replay here on LinkedIn, YouTube. Twitter or Facebook. If you're more of a listener, uh, you want to listen to this on the, the ride home because we do not encourage texting or watching videos during your drive. You can always listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music. The episode should be up in just a few hours. But in the meantime, I hope everyone has a safe, happy, and healthy rest of their Thursday, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates find the right roles faster, employees evolve in their current roles and beyond, recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more.